I spent the last three years learning from some of the best business minds inside the game of basketball. And now I've left my nine to five to create freedom and have fun while doing it. So the question is, how are hoopers and basketball fanatics like us using those same skills that gave us success on the court to give us success in our new sport of business? This podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I learn, apply, share knowledge, and change lives through the game that changed mine. My name is Myson Jones, and welcome to the Basketball to Business Podcast. What's going on? Uh, here to interview Corey Harris. Um, a much longer interview this time. Last time, what's up, man, Corey? So timely. Last time it was a 30 minute, if that, interview, and it felt rushed, to be honest. So now we're going to have at least an hour conversation here and cover as many things as we can cover. Corey just had a, a fire live session that I'm, I'm interested in, in talking more about. But here he is. No, no delay. Boy, what's going on, sir? Myson, what's good, my brother? Not much, man. I appreciate you you joining here. Oh man, it's an honor. It's an honor. Like you said, uh, the last one felt a little rushed, um, but I felt like we still we we covered a lot of bases. So I was looking forward to trying to get back on here and obviously learn from you and the other coaches that that join us, but also give as much value as I can. Man, it's always a a great conversation because while you have this wealth of knowledge it's always like you said you say it really well in your bio I'm, i teach but i'm a student first so yes sir i feel yes, like sir. it's a lot a lot of students coming together and sharing what they're trying to learn but well, let's call it what it is like i'm trying to learn from you and everyone else is too but it just makes it even better that you come from a student aspect as well so had to say that for sure for sure and no, uh, i appreciate that i i think uh and not to go too deep into it but i think just because some of our beginnings, you know, were, were so humble, you know, I know me and you can relate on a lot of things, but even some of the people watching this, like when, when it's not easy for you or you have to kind of take the scenic route, you know, it, it kind of puts you in a position that no matter how high you go or what you experience, you, you always remember who you were, you know, when you first started. And, and so I think I don't, I can't get around ever being that same kid who, couldn't make the team or, you know, didn't know anybody that played on a high level growing up. And then as a coach, I remember local trainers, um, there weren't that many back then, but there were some who literally told me like, you're too young to teach anybody anything. Like, who are you? And, or you don't know enough about the game. Like, you know, you, you haven't played on a higher level. You haven't, you know, accomplished anything as a coach yet. So like, what makes you think you can start trying to uh, pour into other people? And, you know, I had, I had pushback in my area. You know, people laughed at me and stuff. So, you know, all that just kind of uh, allows me to still stay humble regardless of what God does in my life. I'm always going to be that same kid that just started his own business at 18. Mm -hmm. How do you – and we're jumping right into it, man. How do you – what do you say to those who are in those moments who have, like you said in your last life, who have planted this seed, right, and you know they got they got this time to hold on to that seed to water their their field or allow it to be dry because like you said it needs a dry season. How do you encourage people to to count it all joy while they're waiting for that 
seed to sprout or that refinement process? Wow. Well, I think we have to define what joy is first. Like joy okay. is not based on what's happening around you. It's funny. Me and my wife were talking last night and it just happy like hit me. By the way. Oh yeah. Appreciate happy, that. Happy appreciate that, man. Yeah. One year, one year. So, um, yeah, man, she, she puts a smile on my face, but we were talking last night and I was just brushing my teeth and it like dawned on me, you know, happiness, it stems from what's happening. You know, and yeah, that sounds like mm -hmm. dumb, play on words, but it's just like, you know, the root of that word, you know, happen, happiness, like it just shows you that joy is always um, something that we should hold on to more so and that we should put our focus into. Like most people are there chasing happiness, you know, the pursuit of happiness, right? That's, that's, that's written into like the fabric of our country, you know, like we're all pursuing that. But if we can get a grasp on what joy is, joy comes from a knowledge base. It comes from something deep, something that is within you, something that uh, is completely rested on, like just a firm identification of something that's unchanging. Like you can't have joy if, if everything around you is tumultuous and you're riding up and down with the roller coaster of happenings around you. Like you have to have uh, an internal compass. You have to have a trust and a faith in something. So like for me, when I talked on that live about, you know, those dry seasons that you have to go through in order to mature, the only reason why anyone would trust the seed to grow in the midst of a dry season is if they knew for sure what was on the inside of that seed. So I think a lot of times, you know, as, as men and women, we sometimes plant seeds because we saw somebody else doing it. Or we, we go out to get the same crop or the same harvest that we saw somebody else getting. And when you're looking at it from the finished product, it always looks like something you need, something you want, something that's going to be, you know, good for you and your family. Oh, that must be nice. Like, that must be cool. He's working with pros or he's running his own business. He works for himself. You don't even know, like, all the things that he or she is going through. You know what I mean? Like, all the, the, the nights they're, they're not going to sleep when, when everybody else is getting their full eight hours of sleep or the days that they have to get up at 5 a.m., like, you don't know how their body feels. You don't know the relationships that, you know, they've had to sacrifice. You know, they, they miss holidays. They don't have a social life. Like, all those different things that they're going through in the, the back, you know what I mean, in the dark. And the only reason why they can hold on to that is because they know what's on the inside of that, their seed. But you're looking at their harvest. Like, you're looking at them, you know, as they began producing a stalk as the branches have begun to shoot out or the fruit has begun to show itself. So, you know, when I first started SOG as a teenager, I was just paying attention to the seed. Like I just paid attention to what I knew this was going to do for me. I didn't have anybody to tell me like, this is how it worked for me. And, you know, you can get the same thing. Like there were no ads running on YouTube back then. There was no ads, you know, on, on social media or anything. It was just like, if you wanted something back then, you, you kind of had to either just make it from scratch or maybe you did have someone that you could look to. But, you know, it was in books. It was in, you know, things that I, I guess were just accessible to us back then. So um, I would tell anybody right now, make sure the seed that you're planting is yours. Make sure you're not like falling for the carbon copy or the uh, unauthentic see that maybe you think you need because you saw it in somebody else's life like don't try to recreate what somebody else is doing simply because it just looked cool you know and and then if you have that 
then you'll have that unspeakable joy that only comes from the Lord. But, you know, my faith is in Jesus Christ. Obviously, everyone has different, you know, faiths and beliefs. I, I, I'm not going to get on this live to, like, you know, make anyone feel insignificant or, or bad if they don't believe in what I believe. But I don't believe that you can have uh, that type of relentless faith if you're just trying to trust in yourself, if you're trying to just believe in the strength of your own arm. I, I don't. I don't even understand what it's like to live a life like that. I think it would be hopeless for me if uh, I was just trusting myself completely because I know all my failures. And there's some days where I just don't feel like I'm enough. So um, I need someone greater than me who can be strong where I'm weak and who can um, give me a rock, a solid foundation to, to stand on. Well, look, I, I think Jesus Christ is the, the greatest man to ever live too. Right. Like he's, he's the Lord and Savior as well. And I, I I don't proselytize or try to do that in the training session. So it is something that I'm starting to do now to try to figure out how do I take what's in this word and make it practical without having to seem like it's coming from the religious aspect. Like there's always spirituality. You know what I mean? So for, for you, what do you see being the seed from a player standpoint or a professional standpoint or kids just trying to go D1 because everybody's going D1 yeah. or a trainer trying to see what you're doing and be a yeah. GM, run their own business? Like, what are those, I guess, fake seeds that you're seeing? Principles. Yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah, like, I, I, I have to be honest. I made a kid cry Friday night, and uh, it stuck with me when I left the gym because I didn't intend to make him cry it's not like i'm 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 looking to break people down and hurt their feelings but i do uh have a principle that i live by and it's just to be honest you know it, as much as i can like it's like a campaign all 2022 i'm gonna be me you know so 2022 be you you know what i mean that's kind of what i tell people is uh if, if i'm having a conversation with a kid like i did friday i think his dad initiated it he came to me after i finished in the gym with some of my clients. He's a, he's a young kid, middle schooler. He said, man, my son doesn't like to jump when he shoots. Can you, can you explain to him? I see you working with kids. Like, can you explain to him why he needs to jump on his jump shot? And so I said, I guess, you know, sure. Like, you know, he doesn't listen to you. I don't know what else I can do, you know, but <laughs> he, he comes, he comes over. And so he's like, listen to this coach, man, listen to him. <laughs> so, you know, just putting all the pressure on me. And I'm like, Hey man, you know it's called a jump shot. <laughs> like just trying to, you know, make it make it as easy as I can so that the kid knows like I'm not here to gang up on you because you know sometimes you can tell like a father and son like they have some friction, and you know I I'm not big on jumping into those and like you know now just it's all of it's all of us against the kid. So mm -hmm. I said, man, let's go over here and shoot some form shots. Like you know, let me let me work with you and just show you a progression of how you get into a regular you know a good jump shot. So we start doing it, and the kid's body language is like, I don't have time for this. Like, like you know, he's not making eye contact with me. He's kind of like leaning to the side. You know how we all are as, as young men, you know, at one point in time when we just felt like we didn't need anything. You know what I mean? I don't need to listen to you. And so remember, I'm being all honest. I'm being, I'm being me all 2022. So the real version of me is I'm, I'm very humble, I'm very passive when it comes to like conflict. But mm -hmm. the real version also, because I don't think I'm being fake when I'm on the court, but the coaching version of Corey is, okay, like bet. So when I see that he's acting that way, I just throw the ball in his chest. Like I just hand on the ball. I appreciate you, bro. Like you, you know what to do. 
Hmm. Like, I ain't going to waste your time. And then I just walk away. And he's like, what? what? Like, he, he chases after me. It's like he snapped out of his trance. And I get over to his dad and I said, hey, uh, your son needs to play another sport. Like, or he can keep hooping, but he needs to play for fun. Because this isn't, this isn't for him. Like, he's not obsessed. And then his dad was like, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, your son needs to get to the point where every word that comes out of your mouth, he's like fiending for it like an addict, like, dad, what, what can I do? Or what do you see? Or he should be chasing people down who look like they have some type of information that they could give him. I said, if he's not at that point, he needs to just play for fun. Because that's what it is to him. It's probably something to do to be around you, or be around his friends, or just to feel like he's a part of a, a group. You know what I mean? Like, he probably is thrilled by the thought of playing basketball. But he is not in love with what this calls from us. Like this, this requires a lot. And so my wife, my wife works at the gym that I train players at as well. So we begin walking out together and I'm getting ready to literally ask her, was I, was I too hard on the kid? And the kid runs out to the parking lot, tears pouring down his face. Like he's at least 13. Like this isn't a, a six-year-old, seven-year-old, like, pouring down his face and he he's like coach i was i was i was saying okay i was i was acknowledging you like i was listening and i said as much energy and as much passion and focus that you have in your eyes right now like you're not breaking your focus off me and what i'm saying that's what i was looking for on the court and i said it's, it's terrible that you had to have your feelings hurt to be engaging with me I said, this level of like hunger you have to show me that you are listening, you need to have that all the time. Otherwise, quit. And got in the car and left. And my wife was like, no, you weren't too hard on him. Like, that's what, you know, we all need when we're at that age, when we think we want things, when we think we want to become whatever. And it wasn't just a lesson for that for that boy. I think that's a lesson for all of us. Again, social media has fooled us into being able to only view the the highest moments or the most beautiful moments of everyone's lives. It's, it's curated. Like, we're all controlling what we show. And so the athletes, they get to see somewhat of the behind the scenes. They get to watch documentaries and hear people's stories about how hard it was or what they went through but you're not there. You're not seeing all the little moments. You don't really know how like much time they put into it. Because when, when someone tells you like, man, I, I grind for this every day, you may think grind based on whatever your perspective of that word is, but you don't know that that meant they didn't have a ride to the gym. So they walked, you know what I mean? Like they didn't have a, a ability to, to pay for a gym membership or for a trainer. So they bartered, they swept the floor or they, they, they wiped off the backboards or they cleaned toilets or, you know, like you, you don't know, you, you have no clue. Now they might share some of that, but there's still some things that's going to be left out. And with some of these kids, as well as these coaches, we are chasing uh, fantasies. Fantasies, not because it's, it's untrue and we can't have it, but fantasies because we haven't counted the cost. And so when I said, you know, publicly, you know, that I wanted to coach on, on the highest levels, 
that wasn't the first time I had that goal or that dream. That was just the first time that I spoke it publicly. But the work was already happening for so many years behind the scenes. So I just got to a point where I was willing to share it. When I became a GM, that, that wasn't the first time I had been a GM. Being a GM at Shoot360 has been amazing. But I was a terrible GM or, or a director of basketball first at the Imagine Center Sports Complex in Greenville, South Carolina. Like I, I mismanaged my group of coaches that worked under me, not from the standpoint of I didn't have integrity, but I was just immature. Like I, I couldn't tell people the truth. I couldn't hold people accountable. I couldn't, you know, I showed up on time. I was there late, early. Like I worked harder than everyone, but I just didn't know how to lead. So we see the, the, the moments that everyone wants to be shown. And that's when we're up. And I just, I'm at the point now where I'm still young. I'm 33, but I'm too old to not tell players and coaches that give me the opportunity to speak to them the truth, you know, when it comes to, okay, that's what you want. All right. You, you better, you know, take some time to think about what it's going to cost. What is the, because it seems like you worked, you, you've always worked hard and, you know, I actually train in that gym you just mentioned. That's where we are training right now. Okay. What skills in terms of your leadership and more so the, the business acumen, you know, the, the yeah. management skills and the business acumen, what have you learned or are you learning now that you wish you would have known then for some of those basketball trainers out here who may need to hear hear this this knowledge? Yeah, I would say it's just infrastructure, man. Infrastructure. Business, business infrastructure is in a lot of ways more important than the actual business service or product you are providing. Like, for instance, uh, when I first started training, I did not understand the importance of making sure that you can be found. Like, I was big on getting out and trying to find my next player, find my next client, find the next prospect, right? And then, you know, trying to funnel them to, of course, train with me or allow me to uh, offer my services. But I didn't have a website landing page. I didn't have, you know, Google Analytics. You couldn't search me online if you just were trying to find basketball trainers in Atlanta. You know, basketball trainers or best basketball trainers. Like, I, I was not findable. Like, you, you, you didn't know where to locate me. You had to meet me in person. So guess what? Now my scalability is limited from a business perspective. And there's so many trainers and skilled coaches and, and professionals, we can, I guess we can call them professionals, but there's so many people in this industry who are like that right now. They have a social media page, but they have no like business address, no business phone, no email. They don't have a business bank account. They, they don't even know how to establish business credit. They don't know how to, you know, do their taxes. You know, they don't have an EIN number. They don't have an LLC, you know, like all the, all the little, things that add up and make the, the large whole, that's what keeps your business actually going. Like having hours of operation, having a mm. schedule, what are your rates? Do you have pricing packages? Like all of those things, when I would run into that as an 18 year old, it was like, ah, you know, like I'm trying to make it up on the fly. I'm trying to like mm. figure it out while I'm having conversations with adults and I'm a kid. So I was learning things as people were asking me, like, 
hey, so uh, what days and times are, are you in this gym? Is this your only gym? Like, I hadn't even thought about it. Right. <laughs> I, I, I'm just in the gym. So, you know, you would be, you would be shocked how many coaches um, operate that same way. And then another area of just business and leadership that, you know, I, I learned the hard way was you got to know how to work in a group. Skilled trainers, man, we are some ego monsters. Like, it is one of the professions that you are just allowed to work by yourself and, and unto yourself. And what I mean right. is we, we work by ourselves. Obviously, that means individually. But we work unto ourselves, meaning we're, like, self-serving. Like, we're teaching the things we want to teach. You know, we're, we're focusing in the areas we want to focus on. You know, we're not necessarily even really overly concerned with developing or getting better unless we just have like this competitive edge and we want to, you know, make sure that we're ahead of whoever's in our local community offering the same service. Like when you don't know how to work with other people, yeah, you can accomplish a lot and you can become well-known. I'm not saying you can't, but the, the opportunity for you to miss out on solving problems and finding solutions at a much faster rate, is, is cut off because if, if you have an issue, if you have a problem, you only can see to the end of your nose. Like that's, you only know what you know. You're only mm -hmm. exposed to, to what's, whatever's been exposed to you. So me working in that sports complex at the Imagine Center and being around other coaches, it was like a crash course in managing personalities and understanding different people's backgrounds and having to learn what other people's like motives are because they all had goals that they were chasing after. Some of them wanted mm -hmm. to coach on the high school level. They didn't want to just be trained. Some yeah. of them wanted to go into skill development full time because that was their passion, but they have other part-time jobs. So mm -hmm. they were looking to me not to just be the guy that tells them what to do when they come into the gym, like, here's the schedule. We're going to do these camps. Blah, blah. No, they, they were hoping to have somebody that could give them some direction. Like, bro, mm -hmm. how did you get here? Why why'd they put you as the director? Do you have some type of wisdom? You know, and, and I think when I was hired there, I was 21, 22. Uh, so, you know, again, I'm, I'm thankful for it, but it was, <laughs> I was managing people who were like 10 years my senior. Like some of them had children of their own. Some of them have been married for, you know, decades. Like I, I, I'm so thankful that I didn't like burn that place down, you know, and <laughs> I, I'm maybe I'm being hard on myself. Like other people might tell you like, Oh, he did a great job. But you know, I, I needed that to get to the point where I'm at now. Right. That's well said, man. What do you, that's crazy. I didn't know you were the, the director there. I knew I can name a few trainers that you, you would say, oh, okay, yep. Manage them, manage them. Uh, what would you say is how frequently do you, check yourself in terms of you know something you may tell an athlete but then you realize am I or you think am I doing that for myself because I'll be honest I, I don't check myself as much as I should and I honestly see I don't want to see the the speck in somebody else's eye but not the log in my own mm -hmm. eye but in this industry in general man I see a lot of hypocrisy I see trainers yeah. getting on nodding their heads when we talk about coach to athlete relationships when it, when it comes to like you said developing as a trainer, as a coach, and learning and growing. 
I don't see that same accountability, self-accountability right. as we give towards athletes. How often do you check yourself on things like that? Oh, man, every day. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I can't go without it because I'm not good enough to, to not do it. That, that goes back to, like, the first, very first point I made. Like, um, you know, I didn't have the, the playing pedigree or the, the background that a lot of people in this space have because you naturally go from I love the game I'm obsessed with it because I played it for such a long time to now I always want to be connected to it so of course I, I had that same obsession but I didn't get the the opportunities to you know just build that foundation and also build up my my confidence of where I stand within the game like I can't walk through my city where I grew up and talk about stories from playing against this rival high school and mm. this battle. And like, that, that wasn't my life. And, and because I, that's my story, it affects me in a way where I have to be a lot more reflective than the average coach. You know, the, the mm. average coach, they think that their playing career and their coaching career are like this. Right. I, I'm not, I'm not here to, to, to knock anybody, but I am here to say like, they're not like, you can have been an awesome player when you played and you could be a terrible coach. You could have been a terrible player and be legend. You know what I'm saying? As a coach, like they are not, they, they, they don't just flow like that. Like, and I don't want to throw a bunch of names, but you can look in the NBA and just look at guys who've been on the sidelines who were hall of fame coaches. I mean, excuse me, hall of fame players, but they're not going to go down as a hall of fame coach. Right, You know what I mean? Like, look at Steve Nash, one of my favorite pl players of all time, one of my favorite point guards. He's having trouble in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. They're going elsewhere, right? Jack Vaughn played in the NBA, too. Mm -hmm. Jack Vaughn, I don't know if he ever started, right? So, real hoop heads, they're, they're not looking at this like, oh, we got to go and, and hire that guy because of what he did as a player. Mm -hmm. Real hoop heads understand it's, this is relationships. This is culture building. This is communication. This is accountability. This is IQ. Like, not IQ, like when you have the ball. I'm talking like hmm. IQ, your ability to teach the game to someone else. Because we all know sometimes when you do something really well, you become impatient with other people who can't do it. So, so as a hooper, I, I, I was trash <laughs> as a kid. So, like, I needed somebody with patience. So now when I coach a player and they can't go right or can't go left or can't shoot, bro, I'm teaching you from the same childlike heart that I had when I was struggling. Like, I needed somebody to break it down, bro, like step one, two, three. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll make music when I work with a kid if they don't get it. Left foot, <laughs> right foot. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I have no ego when it comes to, okay, you don't understand it. That's my bad. Let me backtrack. Now, can I be fast-paced? Can I be, like, super just like, no, you got to get this now? Yeah, because I also played college. And so I understand, like, nah, bro, like, there has to be a, 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 a level of intensity. Like, time is of the essence now. Like, once you get to a certain level, we, we, we can't be doing A, B, C, D, one, two, three. But I think for me that self-check just comes from the simple fact of my start in this game was one – that if you looked at it and tried to predict like where I was going from that point, you would not say like, yeah, he's going to work with, you know, 
NBA players and WNBA players and he'll have the mm. chance to coach, you know, on the professional level. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't assume that. So every time I step on the court, I'm still coming as that, that kid, right? And I think also just um, the empathy that we have being, you know, uh, men of color, minorities, you know, being in a country where you have to have a certain uh, coof to you. Like, you, I couldn't just go outside and talk any way I wanted to talk. Like, it, it was dangerous where I grew up. So, like, I had to maneuver in a way where, like, I can listen to your side, even if we disagree, because it could escalate very quickly. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That, a could go to Z real fast. You know, mm -hmm. and it wasn't everybody didn't look like me where I grew up. It was a it was a wild west like type mixture. So you got people different nationalities, different religions, cultures, backgrounds, and we all living on top of each other, next to each other. So I can hear what's going on next door. I can hear them over me. They can hear me below. So anything could pop off like a, a just a whirlwind. So you had to have the ability to communicate. You know what I mean? And like make sure everybody felt included. So that's why right. like, even before workouts, like I'm praying, I'm asking everybody, you know, hey, how's your day been? Like we're in a circle. Like, what can I pray for? How's your family? Like, and I'm memorizing your, your people's names. I'm not just doing this like it's business. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I'm learning what buttons I can press, what buttons I can't touch with you because that's a soft spot. You know, I'm asking you what you want to work on. I, I, I work with nine-year-old, 10-year-old kids, and I know what I'm going to do with them, but I still, hey. What, what, what's going on right now? What, what do you want to get better at? Uh, I don't know. And then the second time I ask them, mm, third time I ask them, they're like, I get nervous sometimes. Hmm. Uh, okay. So it's like, you just got to, you keep opening the door and then they, they see you're not, you're not trying to trick them. Cause some kids, they've never had an adult allow them to, to, to speak like that. Some, some NBA players, like I work with pro guys and they'll be like, oh, it's whatever you want to do. And then I, I keep asking them. Then for about a week, by the end of that week, they're like, yeah, you know, uh, last year I shot such and such from the, from the free throw line. You know, I wonder if we could get some specific work on that. Okay. You know, and it's, it just takes off from there. But, man, that self-check, that's, that's every day. And I feel like anybody who's, like, hyper-successful – that's their trait. So, you know, I didn't make that up. It's not because I'm just this great guy. I just, I noticed that in a lot of the people that I uh, look up to, they, they, they never get to the point where they think they've arrived. Now, you know, I, I don't know if you remember this. It was at the Committed to the Craft conference and uh, it's my first conference ever. You know, I, I've never been in anything okay. like that. So uh, knowing you and knowing the high regard that Phil had for you, you know, we, we didn't talk before then, but, you know, I was trying to make sure guys like you, like Phil, like Gannon, like you, you didn't, you were doing what you needed to do. So you were training, you were helping one of the, the least skilled and the youngest player there. And I was mm -hmm. trying to say, hey, okay, I'll take care of it, man. If you want to go somewhere else and do something else. He was like, no, I'm, I'm good. I got it. Oh, okay. And first off, that kind of shook me up. I'm like, oh, all right. And we were doing some between-the-legs drills, and she couldn't do it. But at the time, <laughs> I saw you, like, having her roll the ball like a figure eight on the floor first. I yeah, leave. Yeah. I come back maybe, like, five, ten minutes later. And I'm like, she's low-key going between the legs. And you were still working okay. with her, man. And that – 
that kind of threw me off guard. I'm like, okay. And then I see you working with pros. Like the other video, the last video I saw before the live was, hey, you know, we're going to warm up like a pro. And that just stuck with me. Like that was a great video where you had some band work before the workout. And it's like, you want to be a pro? Let's train like a pro. And I've seen you, not mm -hmm. the in-person pro sessions, but I've seen you work with eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds who probably didn't even speak. I don't think the player spoke English very well. She understood. Oh, it, she did? Dang. She was catching Man, it, but <laughs> Catching it. Catching it, you know? And and see, so you remember it. And I was, it, just, it just caught yeah, me off guard. I'm like, man. And then Rob kind of said what I felt at that moment. He's like, why can't the best – coach in the world be a middle school girls basketball coach right right you know? and that was my example of seeing you do that so i guess the 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 next question would be and i'm going to come to a question that somebody asked on the, on the live uh next after this what does your in-season transition look like are, are you spending more time with pros are you spending more time watching film and going to games uh, I know Phil talked about 15, 20-minute workouts sometimes for league players, but what does your version of that look like from a scholastic athlete to a pro? Yeah, man. Wow, great question. And you got a great memory. I have forgot about uh, <laughs> working with that young lady. But, no, she was, in my opinion, the hardest worker. And, mm. you know, she was just appreciative of, of everything we were doing. But, yeah, that, that, that takes me back to, you know, where I started with, with young kids. So that was mm -hmm. that was cool. But um, right now, uh, going into the season, especially the month of November, before I get too deep, like everybody out there who runs a, a basketball services business, you know, whether you're training, coaching, whatever you want to call it, you got to know that November is is the slow period. <laughs> like and, and this is not anything that you're doing wrong. It, it's going to be this way every year for the remainder of your career until basketball is like the season has changed or they move it. If it becomes the WNBA, like where the schedule is concerned, they play in the summer. It's just always going to be this way. And I didn't know that at 18, 19, 20 years old. Like from a business standpoint, I just, I was like, Lord, what am I doing wrong? Like I wanted to quit and pack up shop my first like three or four years running my, my business because from November till about December, bro, I was like going broke. Like I was spending mm -hmm. more money than I was making. And so now, obviously, you know, being a little more tenured, I get it. It's like now you can predict what's coming and see it coming uh, in the summer months and plan for it. So, like, what I did was uh, back in September, October, I put some thought into uh, lowering my prices and creating a value add, like an offer to my current clients who were, like, like you said, scholastic athletes they were um you know youth not pros people who were local and i i wanted to make it to where it was like a membership like a subscription a monthly membership and so i just offered them you know 500 bucks for the entire month of november and they can come in every day if they wanted to now i'm not going seven days a week i'm going five but they can come in all five days you know and for the high school players who are much more you know just locked in and they have a little bit more bandwidth because some of them can drive, you know, I'll offer them two workouts a day on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. They can come in at 6 a.m. before they go to school and then they can come back at 7 p.m. Mm. So that transition right there, you know, sending those messages out a month ahead of time before I got to November 1st, you know, creating, it, creating a value add, but also making sure that there's a scarcity 
right? Like mm -hmm. not just putting it on my social media, not inviting everyone who wants to come. Now you could do that if you're trying to pack it out, you know, and you want to have, you know, large numbers because you're trying to reach a financial goal. Cool. For me, that's not my goal. I'm not trying to, you know, just go crazy and get 50 kids in the gym. So, you know, I said, okay, I'm going to create the, the, the perspective of scarcity where the consumer can realize like, oh, this is now special because he's only inviting people that he wants in the gym, right? Mm -hmm. That right there, it, it immediately led to a, a smooth transition going from the end of the off season to now flowing into season. And now all I'm doing is just checking in with those parents and those players on Sundays, like, hey, what's my head count? How many mm -hmm. should I expect? Who's showing up? You know, and, and then I have group text with all my high school kids. You know, I don't text middle school and elementary school kids, you know, to each his own, but I would rather talk with their parents on Sunday. So, but with the high school kids, some of them need rides. So I'm coordinating with them on a daily basis. Some of them have a revolving practice schedules that may change. So they might just, they, what we, what we do in the group text is they send me an emoji. So they give me the fist if they can make it, they, you know, shaking my head emoji if they can't make it today, you know what I mean? And so that's, that's how we collaborate. And uh, they are, they're all really good about that too. So, you know, Hey coach, you know, or that's all, that's all they give me. So I know, but um, yeah, I, I watch a lot of film now, you know, I have guys who are playing overseas. So, um, if you are a skill development coach and you want to provide a, a better service or a higher level of service, I think you should try to invest in um, some type of way to, to be able to watch uh, games that maybe aren't going to be streaming online, you know, like on YouTube or something, or they're not going to be on ESPN. So like for me, um, my guys who play like, you know, high level EuroLeague or EuroCup, I'm grateful that I can just hop on a link that they'll send me. But some guys like, you know, I'm not going to go pay for ESPN plus just to watch one game. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'll use synergy. Right. And, and that'll allow me to access the game, you know, uh, a day after it's finished or whenever, you know, they finish coding it. And then now I can pick it apart, you know, and right now I'm teaching myself sports code, which is just another way to code games, another way for you to um, basically organize and categorize the, the situations and the moments within games that you want to focus on. So if, mm -hmm. if you're watching a game and you want to track one of your players, you know, pick and rolls, you know, every time they go middle, what happens? You know, now you are basically a video coordinator. So mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to prepare myself for the next level as a coach because that's a particular area you have to know how to do in the NBA or in college nowadays and even some high schools have video coordinators so a lot of my time goes to that um, I go to games live here in Atlanta you know if it's uh, someone that I trained in the summertime you know that way I'm, I'm still showing my face and that's also a great way to market your business because um, when people see that you care or they, they, they start to see you in the community that also opens the door for you know you to be introduced to different people and for me I, I, I'm working on the pro level so if it's a a high-level college game or if it's like OTE because they're here in Atlanta like you, you could meet agents you could meet you know scouts so um, I think as trainers too we have to get outside of our four walls of the gym and that's something I didn't do a lot when I was younger I was just always in the gym I was in the gym I was at church and I was at home 
that that was the only three places you could really catch me. I was at Subway, you know, eating the four dollar you know meal. So um, mm-hmm. now I get it. Like the business aspect of this is about relationships. It's about you know getting out. So um, that's that's kind of where I am right now, Mike. And hopefully, I answered that question and it makes sense. For sure, it does. It does. So what what are you? Uh... It's Marketing Monday on the, on the business tip, too. I'm sorry, Coach. Okay. I, I know Coach was asking the questions. She asked great questions. I actually have a, the privilege of training her son right now, so I appreciate her being on. Um, marketing Monday is what I, what, I, what I theme Mondays, is Marketing Mondays. What other, yeah. if you have any marketing tips, along with actually going to games, maybe wearing some gear, but have there sure. marketing tips that you've heard that have worked or that you've done that have worked really well for you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it's understanding the power of social media, like what we're doing right now. You know, um, man, I've been not against it, but I've just been so like counter, you know, I guess the addiction of social media. You know, when I first started out, Instagram didn't exist yet. Twitter was new and YouTube was like it. You know what I mean? Like getting your stuff on YouTube was the way. And uh, so I had some success with that. And that is actually what allowed me to travel the country and allowed me to start doing mm-hmm. international work was YouTube. I even met my wife because of YouTube. You know what I mean? So you, you, you don't know who's going to find you until you make yourself findable. Again, that's the previous point I made. Like you, you have to make yourself findable. It's like having a, a, the golden arches if you're McDonald's. You know, it's it's like the big QT logo. If you're driving on the road and you need gas, you, you, you can't expect to run a business that's not brick and mortar. You don't have a, a, a actual building infrastructure, but you don't have anywhere to actually like put your brand up. So mm-hmm. I would say, and this is, I'm going to be very specific. I'm going to give everybody like a, just a super gem, right? To market yourselves on social media. First thing is stop thinking so hard. Like just just be consistent. If you if you can't put out some Hollywood, you know, production and it's like super clean and edited with music in the background, that's okay. But just be hmm. consistent, right? And then the, using that same word consistent, your page needs to be consistent. Like your page needs to have a theme. If you're a basketball trainer or you're a basketball coach, but then you're like posting pictures of, you know, you hanging out on the weekend with your friends, like that's not really lining up with what you're trying to like present. You want people to DM you. You want people to email you. You got a bio that says, you know, this is what I do. This is what I provide. But you're also showing yourself in very unprofessional manners. Now I'm not saying you can't take a picture with your family. Can't take a Mm -hmm. picture with your wife. Shout out to my wife. You know, I just put up, you know, an anniversary post, but that's not necessarily in my eyes, a negative thing because it's allowing people to just know that I'm human, right? And sometimes people want to see that, but you don't want to see me walking down the street or in Starbucks taking pictures of my food, you know, unless I'm doing a nutritional post, like I'm I'm trying to give you information or education on how to eat properly, right? So your page needs consistency. And and that may be hard. So make a, a separate page, make a brand page, make a theme page. That's all for your business, separate from your personal. And then here's the biggest gem. If you do want to get to the point where you're making like super, just like really high quality videos and you don't have a lot of money, you don't have to go out there and like go broke or go into debt trying to pay 
a videographer or a filmographer to come and like record what you do. Figure out what are the colleges, like it could be D1, D2, D3, community college, all the schools in your area. If they have a film program or they have some type of cinematography program, even if they have like broadcasting, you're going to have students, photography, whatever, you're gonna have students there that are looking to break into the industry where it comes to media production. And in some of these classes or with some of these majors, they need credit hours. They need, you know, field studies or, or whatever you call it nowadays, but they need real experience in the field working with people that they can capture in real time. Just collaborate with them, barter with them. Most of the, the, the quality content that you see me posting now is off the strength of just relationship with young kids and young adults who are trying to get into this industry. So once you establish that relationship, now you're in the spider web. You'll meet more people with abilities and, and cameras. And, and so it, it just begins to snowball and grow from there. And you might even have some of those same individuals who you haven't reached out to reached out to reach out to you. Because if they see that you've got high-level players or you've got, you know, organized business, remember, they're yeah. just looking to create content. And now you guys can figure out a budget. If you can't pay them, try to figure out what else you can offer them, right? Try to make sure that you're connecting them with, like, for me, I give my videographers business opportunities. So, yes, I pay them. But sometimes I'll just say, hey, I heard there's a, a big Nike camp coming up. Here's a contact reach out to this person or here's the director's number. I'm going to call them before you do and let them know you need to film the entire event. They don't need to hire nobody else. You know, or mm -hmm. here's a, here's a youth camp coming up. You could go and do highlight mixes for the players that are there. Maybe the director of this camp can put you in the bio or on the flyer and the parents can know that all they need is an additional 50 bucks and they can mm -hmm. get a mix done for their kid. Like one guy I was working with, Shout out to my guy, Miles. I used to coach him when he was in, like, sixth grade. So, again, like, I, this is years in the making. But now he's got a whole family, and he's a, a videographer, cinematographer. He does videos for me, grown man. And he just made – and I think he's only been in business for, like, a month. He reached out to me. He did an event a few weeks ago, and he made, like, 2500 I think, 3 k So he did that in a day. And now he's already like established a partnership with that same brand, that same camp, where if they do another event, they're not even going to outsource it to other people. They're just going to go straight through him. So he made that much working alongside other competitors. Wow. So now think about what he's probably going to make when he does this same event again next year or whenever the next one is like, it's, it's about you just creating value while also extracting value. So, now I just, on a regular basis, every week, I, I not only send out, you know, that weekly schedule to my players and their parents or what have you, but I'm sending out that weekly schedule to videographers. I'm sending that out to coaches who, who want opportunities to just get on the court and get more experience, but maybe they don't have any clients. So now when they post it on their page and they share pictures from our workouts, it's all helping my brand. It's all helping, you know, me to to be shown or, or, or marketed to different people, right? So shout out to my big brother, Coach Booker. He just commented, what up? 
that's that's the example. That's someone that's in our workouts every single week. He'll he coaches high school basketball, but he'll wow. come to our workouts and assist. And then now that that helps him build what he's doing. He's getting drills. He's getting concepts. You know what I mean? Like he's gotten clients from that as well as pay for me. But like when, when you go to market your business, you just have to see that there are so many different ways that not only that you can be extracting value from others, but like you got to solve other people's problems too. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, but that's the biggest one, man. Instagram, if that's what you use, uh, you know, don't overthink it partner with you know someone who can do like premium video work there's a lot of them in the, the local colleges there's a lot of them in the local high schools kids are starting as early as high school now a couple hmm. couple young men that have come and done workouts for me even a young lady they were high school players they actually played but they were they knew that they wanted to do media uh work they wanted to work in the media space so i mean it, it's just up to us if we if you really want something you'll find a way I like it. What in so make sure I, I ask the question that was asked a little bit earlier. Uh, sure. More so along the the training perspective. Uh, the question is: Do you guys find yourselves having to create opportunities for your students to experience a sense of urgency about their training? And if that makes sense, so do you find that? And I'll add to the question: How do you create that sense of urgency in the training sessions, especially for a one-on-one -on -one when it's a bone, uh, I guess, person against air, you know, on air workouts? Yeah. yeah, that's that's normal. That's normal that, um, especially when you're working with a new player that you don't have a lot of experience with, that they don't understand what that means, like to have intensity in every rep or to mm -hmm. uh, understand that, you know, time is precious. Um, but I think it begins with, and I got this from uh, Brendan Sir. You know, he's a, he was a former assistant coach with the Bad Boy Pistons, um, longtime assistant um, with the Atlanta Hawks, and is just a great all-around person. And now he does coaching you in uh, Las Vegas in the summer times. Um, but what he told me is that before he works out with any of his players, pro or, or whatever level practices, he would ask them, do I have the right to tell you the truth? Will you give me the permission? Do you give me permission to be honest with you? And he said, you know, nine times out of 10, 10 times out of 10, the player says yes. They don't know what they're saying yes to sometimes, but. <laughs> <laughs> and so anytime he gets into a situation where he has to hold that player accountable for a lack of intensity or a lack of energy, he reminds them. Now, remember, you gave me the right to tell you the truth. And they then, yes, yes, sir, I did. And so then he'll go into telling them what he sees and that at least opened the door for them to be a little more receptive. The second thing that helps with that is if I'm working out with a new player, I will establish that the rule or the, the, the principle or just the standard of our session is you cannot walk in between reps. Like I'm, I, I just say that before we even start working, like, Hey man, I don't have a lot of rules. You can call me Corey, Coach Corey. Like I'm not, I'm not really tripping off that, right? You gotta have fun. I need you to go hard. And most of the time, when you say have fun, go hard, they've heard that before. But that's not super specific. So I'll just be specific with the go hard part, and I'll say, you can't walk anywhere on the court. So if 
the drill is you make a lay, you go to the basket, you make a move past me or whatever, or you got to bump me and make the lay. On the way back to the wing where we started, I need you jogging. Um, a, th- a third example, and I- I'll leave it here because I could go on forever. Mm-hmm. But a third example of, of making sure that there's a level of intensity and urgency is find ways to just be creative in the moments where the player lacks urgency. So like with Chris Dunn, I, I worked with him when he was rehabbing and trying to get back into the league. And uh, he, he's doing great now, by the way, he plays for uh, the Capital City Go-Go's G League team. And uh, so he was out of the league, and I think he was just down. Like, he had been through so much in his career that he didn't really have a lot of people he felt that, that knew he could still go. And, uh, you know, when a player's down like that, it reflects in, in, in their work. It, it shows in how they move. It's their body language. It's their demeanor. And so early on, I had to, after he would make a lay or, or finish at the basket, he had to catch the ball out of the net, and then he had to beat me to get back to the wing just to start the next rep. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm not NBA, but I'm young. So I can, I can get you sweating. I can get you going. You know, I can bump you. You know, I can cut you off once or twice. You know, and if I start figuring out how you dribble because I played, I'm watching your rhythm, I might pick you a couple of times. So now that level of frustration forces that that, threat, that player, whether they're a pro or a kid, mm-hmm. to take every second, every step, every inch of the workout way more serious because the creativity and not just saying good job and then grabbing the rebound and waiting for them to walk back and then getting mad because they're walking. No, like, okay, beat me back to the wing. You know, like, handle the ball. Or guard me out to the wing. Slide your feet. Like, little things like that. I think if you focus on those three things, asking the player to, you know, give you the permission to be honest at all times. Uh, Secondly, you know, just setting the standard from the beginning. You know, hey, no walking. Right? And then number three, just be creative. Like if you see that there is a opportunity for them to be lazy or to, to move slow or, you know, to not be respectful of the, the gift that we've all been given as athletes. And that's our legs, our energy, our lungs, you know, like that's a gift. I, I, I got players that's been shot. Can't walk. I got players I used to train that's in prison doing like real time. So they're sitting, you know, literally and, you know, figuratively, but, if if they had it, they they will run, right? Like I brought that player to a, to a session, the kid who lost the ability to walk. Like I I let players who were playing in the G League, professional high school, I let them like see him, touch him, dap him up, hug him, let him lead a prayer, so that they could remember, like, man, this isn't promised. This could be taken from you. And guess what? That was the best session we had, you know, mm-hmm. for for weeks, you know. So you you got to be creative. And, and find ways to inspire that energy that you want. And if you're not energetic as a coach, I'm going to mm. keep it a buck. Like, it's, it's super hard for you to expect players to bring that. I think the only way you can get energy out of a player when you're not like that, when you don't set the example, is to lead by fear. You know, and mm. if, if you're leading with fear, like the fear of, the, of you yelling at them, the fear of you making them run, the fear of you uh, – being disappointed and, and being upset at them, like that that's not gonna last. You know what I mean? That that has a it has a shelf life. It it will get the job done for for a while, but 
that burns out quickly. It's like Nas. It's like nitrous, like, you know, fast and furious. You hit it, you better use it at the end of the race. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if you use it at the wrong time, I mean, shoot, you still got to still gotta hit the gas, and hopefully you got some gas in the tank. So, no, nah, I, I don't – I try not to lead with fear. That's like – I don't even know if that's the last result. I, I've never led with that, so – Tell me, uh, man, this has been great. Like I've enjoyed listening to 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 your insight and people joining too. Thank y'all. Can you tell us about the transition in basketball coaching consulting? What what is that, and what's been the most popular course? I'm 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 curious to know. Yeah. I know which one's my favorite so far. But. Yeah, yeah, man. That's that's my that's my baby. That's my brainchild. Um, it's it's four to five years in the making. Um. Basically, the, the transition is a system that, you know, I created because I felt like when I first started, I did not have someone to just like hold my hand and walk me through the essentials and the necessities that I needed in order to properly teach um, the people that I would grow to work with. And so what I mean is like, for instance, I didn't have a high basketball IQ, you know, 15 years ago. I did did not understand terminology. I did not know the spots on the floor. I did not know actions, two-man concepts, three-man concepts. You know, I couldn't even read a play diagram. I didn't know, like, what a squiggly line meant or a straight line or a dashed line. Like, if if you drew something in front of me, it it would be like, okay. Like, you know, like, I, I would just, I don't know. You could lie to me and tell me it meant something else. It was Hebrew. And so, um, from an IQ standpoint, I was lacking. And then, of course, with player development, I had never been developed as a player. So, of course, you know, I was reaching and grasping at straws, just hoping that I was uh, properly developing the rec league players and the, and the young kids that I was working with. I was thankful for the opportunity. Don't get me wrong. But I, I especially needed help just understanding, like, not drills, because I think that's where we fall short. I think Right now, we are in a culture where this industry, everyone is like repeating the same things. Like we're all, here's a great way to, and you know, I'm going to show you five, like we all got that from somebody, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? And if you go back far enough, and I don't mean to do a history lesson, but all of the, the best trainers 20, 30 years ago were just coaches, like actual coaches, like, you know, head coach of a team or an assistant coach or you know, or it was your dad, it was your uncle, it was your cousin, it was your mother, it was, you know, a brother, someone that just, you know, wanted to see you improve on certain skills, but it, there was no industry for it. You know, you think old school five-star basketball camps, you know, like that was where just the best coaching minds in the world or in the country just came together. And, you know, hey, Bobby Hurley, you got that station. And, you know, like it, it wasn't about, all of us being on this island and competing to prove who has the best curriculum of drills. So like my player development chapter, or excuse me, module in the transition, I focus on teaching you how to view the game so that you can actually create your own drills that actually help your player. Now, do I show you examples of some of the drills I use? Of course, but I'm trying to give you more so a, a guideline or a blueprint of what it takes to work with one player. And I also break down player types. So like, you know, when I was extremely young in this business, I didn't understand that all point guards are not created equal. That just because a guy is tall 
he shouldn't just be stuck under the basket. Or even if he is, like, how do I approach working with him? Because I'm not a big. I never was. So, you know, I break down, and I got this from Coach Ben Resner, who coaches in the NBA G League. Awesome, awesome basketball mind. He did a great uh, interview or podcast with Basketball Immersion, and he breaks down his eight player archetypes or uh, like I guess I would call them, you know, like innovative player roles. So like, for instance, there's not just a point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. You have a floor general. You have a high usage guard. You know, you yeah. have a skilled forward. You have a elite shooting wing, you know, like just those examples right there. I break those down, but I take them a step further and I actually show you how I have actually developed players because when I watch them, I'm saying to myself, how does your coach want to use you? What is your head coach's intention of, of applying your skills and your abilities into the, the overall makeup of this team? And then now, okay, he's using you as a, a versatile, you know, role player. All right. I need to be watching film on PJ Tucker. I need to be watching film on, you know, uh, Draymond Green, Dennis Rock. Like, I need to see how you dribble and hand off. I need to see how, you know, you, you set screens and roll. I need to see how, you know, you reverse the ball, how you space the floor and can make the corner three. Like, I'm not going to get in the gym and we do a thousand dribbling drills because that's what I like to do. Like, I think as coaches, when we don't fully understand players and player roles, we cannot understand player development. Like, I don't have a style. Like, I do, but I don't. Like, my goal is to ultimately be like what Bruce Lee said, be like water. So whoever I work with, I, I need to figure out, are you a cup? Because I need to become the cup. Are you a vase? I need to become the vase. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, if 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 I'm working with you and, yeah, I'm, I'm all about 100 ways to break down your defender, what if you're never going to do that? Hmm. You see what I'm saying? So my goal is never to be known as, like, I'm this guy or I'm that guy. No, I, I need to, to be at least skilled enough. I don't have to be the best, but I need to be skilled enough to help you become better in the role. That is, if you're a pro, going to get you paid, going to keep you a pro and going to, even if you won't stay with the team you're with, make you valuable so that another team will sign you. If you're a high school player, can I get you to the point where you start because you don't, you don't play right now. Maybe I can get you in a rotation. Maybe I can get you to a starter. If you start, I need to help you become one of the leaders on the team or get you to the point where you can go to college and get your education paid for. College players, so on and so forth. Like every level has its own uh, atmosphere and, and it's filled with needs and, and things you have to consider. But that's what the player development module is on. And then, of course, I, I focus on the business of basketball. So like that, those marketing gems we were talking about, talking about, you know, forming your LLC, all those things for skill development trainers, I try to break that down. But then, of course, if you are a coach or an aspiring coach, an assistant coach, I come at it from the perspective of, hey, this is what I went through during my time as a coach. These are the things I'm still going through applying for jobs or interviewing with NBA teams. What's that like? How do you master the interview process? Is your resume up to date? Is it updated? You know what I mean? Like, how, how do you present yourself on your social media? Do you have a landing page? You know, how do you create pricing packages? If you're a skill development trainer, like, how do you run a camp, a clinic? 
all of those things are broken down. And then the, the last uh, module is how to build out your coaching philosophy. So now I'm talking to the lifers, the people who like, they want to do this for as long as they can. Like, how are you identifying who you're going to be? What, where, where is your voice? Like when, when you stand up in a practice or you're leading, what are you saying? If you have other people following you, what are some of your non-negotiables? You know, what's your standard? You know, how are you creating culture? And if you're an assistant, how are you helping the culture? How are you contributing in coaches' meetings? Mm-hmm. You know, are you the type of person that creates a, a, a like solution-based environment where we're all thinking about how to get better, or are you just only identifying problems and pulling everybody down? Like, so those four modules I feel like are the most important. Um, and I've already had so much success um, in, in such a short time being in this game, not for myself, but helping other coaches. I, I worked with a, a young, let me make sure I say this right, French-African coach living in China <laughs> uh, by the name of uh, Coach Patrick. Uh, Patrick Regulier, hopefully I said his last name right. Great young guy. Um, was trying to find his way when I first got to China. We met at a coaching clinic that I was leading with Gannon Baker. And uh, long story short, he went from working with children out there in, in uh, the Guangzhou province and the streets of China to now he is a professional coach in the CBA. So for three years of mentorship, we broke down everything that I'm talking to you guys about right now. And he just implemented it and he climbed a ladder in three years to going from literally working with five and six year olds. This man didn't even know how to read play diagrams. He, he, he did not know anything about pick and roll about like, I'm, I'm talking about, he was me. Like I, that's why we related so well to now he is a professional coach making six figures, completely changed his life, his family's life, you know, and, and I could go on, but I, it's not to toot my own horn, but it's, this is proven. Like it's worked in my life. My wife told me this morning while we were working out in the weight room, like, you know, your, your, your story doesn't make sense. You know, you, you didn't play, you didn't experience this, you didn't experience that, but now you're doing what so many people want to do. And that's what I poured into this curriculum. I've, I've literally made something to show that this is not an accident. This is not a magic trick. You know, I may have not have known the principles when I first started, but I'm just giving everything back to the game. And if I, I promise, if you just continue to chart my path from even from this point, you'll see it continue to work. So, um, basketballcoachingconsulting.com is the is the name of the site. Uh, you can per, you can purchase the entire transition curriculum there. I have four modules that make up or comprise that curriculum. You can buy them individually as well. I also have a bunch of free content. I have a free mini course. Uh, six misconceptions of in-season skill development. Um, I'm dropping an ebook soon. Uh, I've already published two books. Um, one is just on leadership. It's called Leading While Being Led. Um, I've also uh, published a drill book. Um, I got to redo it because my mind has, has changed uh, <laughs> over the years. So that, that was eight years ago. And, uh, but you can still see the progression even in that. Uh, and I'm not ashamed of anything I've ever done. So that'll be uh, live. I've got uh, nutritional posts and, and uh, off-season strength and conditioning, in-season strength and conditioning, whether you have a weight room 
or not, you know, three-week programs, eight-week programs, so much more is coming. And then we'll actually be doing live mentorship starting in December where myself as well as some of uh, my other friends and just other guest coaches will be joining me and we'll have weekly uh, live Zoom calls where we'll focus on a topic, but we'll also um, be doing some Q&A for those who maybe have gone through the curriculum already and they just have specific questions or, you know, they just are coming specifically just to learn in those live calls. But, um, man, I'm just so thankful for, for you, Myson, and just the opportunity to jump on this live and, and share a little bit about the transition. You can follow it here on Instagram as well, at the transition uh, underscore two times. So just the transition, one word, and then underscore two times. Hey, your, your wife came in. Uh, I don't know if she's still here. But happy anniversary. So you said Bri Brianna or Brianna? No. Brianna, yep, yep. Brianna, she uh she came in and and I pinned the the link a while yep. back, just in the nick of time, man. Like just just wrapping, <laughs> making everything thing flow perfectly, and being that that perfect partner, honestly, man. Yep, and, and yep. from the outside looking in, and of course with this, so happy anniversary, to you guys again. And look, man, I I believe in you. I believe in what you're doing. So however I we can help out. For sure, this will be a story here. I'll post the snippets when we make some of these snippets, uh, and I'll share with anybody else who who asked me what they should be doing, especially in this time of the year. So, uh, thank you for joining again. And man, look, I I want to keep doing this. Probably send another date sometime in a few next sure. few weeks to see when we can get back on again. <laughs> for sure. Now let's let's do it, man. Um, you know, I, I definitely want to join forces with you when it comes to the transition. So, you know, like I said, we're starting in December. It would be dope if we could collab on some of those live zooms. You know, obviously mm. coaches need to know what you're doing with the Hoop in Hoops Institute and just the the great information that you're sharing. I try myself to to share it when I see it because you know I think like coaches they, they just don't understand like the success or failure in the service industry that we provide is really I'm not gonna say it's not found in what we do on the court because it is. You have to have that. But that's just a prerequisite. Once you figure out like taxes, once you figure out marketing, mm -hmm. scheduling, you know, bookkeeping, like that's what actually allows us to not have to work a nine to five and then just be trying to act like Superman and change clothes in the bathroom, in the booth, whatever. Like we could just do this full time. And now you have a clearer mindset. You're more focused. You're at ease. You're at peace. And your players can feel it because you're not so stressed out. You're not burnt out. Right. So um, that's that's what you provide. And I love that. And so because we're not exactly the same, I know that there's something there for us to, to work together and collaborate. So I'm, I'm all ears, bro. We, we definitely need to talk offline. Let's make it happen. That sounds like a plan, man. Hey, thank you again. Sir. Hey, enjoy your day. Hope you don't work too hard. You can enjoy this anniversary. <laughs> Man, but I know y'all work. So whatever y'all have planned, sure. I'll lessons to y'all. And uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Much love, family. Much love to everybody out there. Thank you, guys. Yo, hope that podcast gave you some value. If it did, please rate, review, and subscribe to this. It only makes the podcast better. I read every single one. And at the very least, go join our group. You'll see the link in the description of this episode. And I will catch you on the next one.